Oh, hey there. Thanks for listening to the Cracked Podcast. That makes you an awesome person. You are excited about all kinds of ideas and worlds and things about life as we know it. Why don't you show that off with a website from Squarespace? They make it easier than ever to launch your passion project, showcase your work, sell products and services of any kind. Just be online. Have your own shingle. You'll have a beautiful template created by a world-class designer that you can customize for yourself with 24-7 support to keep it going. Check out squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code CRACKED to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com, offer code CRACKED for 10% off. Hey there, folks. Welcome to another episode of The Cracked Podcast, the podcast all about why being alive is more interesting than people think it is. My name is Alex Schmidt, and I'm the head of podcasting here at Cracked. I'm also known as Schmitty the Clam, and I am also, also going to play you some nonsense audio. You know, it's generally known to the public that I'm a guy who can handle his fists pretty good. Tonight on Hippodrome... You're going to watch me fight the Australian light heavyweight champion. That is comedian Woody Allen in 1966 on British television. It's a show called Europe's Big Top Circus Stars Live from the Hippodrome. That's the entire title. It's very long. And this show proceeded to have Woody Allen in boxing gloves and boxing trunks fight a live kangaroo. Listen to the crowd. Loving it. That really aired on TV. And yes, I know, it was the 1960s. We were all crazy and woodstocked up and like taking tabs of smiley face. I don't really know how drugs work. I'm sorry. Anyway, since then, TV has become less insane in many ways. But as you'll hear on this week's episode, it's also become way more insane. Our topic is insane nonsense that really happened on TV. One of my guests is Cracked Editor Dan Hopper. You may remember him from our recent episode about movies. He also knows his TV, writes about it well. You're going to love him. And our other guest is TV writer Chase Mitchell. You have seen his jokes everywhere from shows by Neil Brennan and Jimmy Carr to The Tonight Show starring Jimmy Fallon. He is a working professional, a legit pro, and I know both of these guests from our collective collegehumor.com days. I also first discovered Chase from his role as the world's funniest fan of The O.C., not The Place, the Bush-era Fox TV show about pretty people. And all three of us watch and think about TV in a maybe obsessive way. We've pulled together our knowledge and many cracked freelance writers' knowledge to explore the strangest TV shows, TV episodes, and behind-the-scenes TV train wrecks in the entire history of the medium. Can't wait to take you through it. So please sit back or sit in grateful joy that we're now in a world where you can just stream stuff anytime you want instead of adjusting set-top rabbit ears or rooftop antenna thingies. All my true TV heads know what I'm talking about. Anyway, let's enjoy this episode of the Cracked Podcast with Dan Hopper and Chase Mitchell. I'll be back after we wrap up. Talk to you then. We're, uh, we're focused on TV today, and we're talking about all these different insane things that happen on TV. And we have like we have like a couple of categories of things that we can get into, but also I feel like we're gonna sort of accidentally Rolodex every way a TV show can go wrong. Mm-hmm. And it's really exciting to me that there are a thousand steps in the process of getting one show on the air, and any of them can make it nuts, right? Like, yeah. Isn't that great? Yeah. 
it's even crazier that with all those people who are supposedly being like a system of checks and balances, that sometimes an, a completely batshit show can make it all the way through all of those yeah. checks and balances. Yeah. Especially yeah, they, when a lot of the examples I think we have are from when there were, you know, three TV networks. And so it's like, <laughs> you know, they had to fill there were like 15 shows yeah. and they still like 11 of them went crazy <laughs> it's like it's such a crazy hit oh, or, shit. Hit or miss rate it's 5pm yeah. we forgot to make a show for 8pm yeah, 8 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey you have a dog right <laughs> quickly wheel over one of the four cameras yeah. that exist because they gotta fill those slots right the very very few TV channels because also I don't know how like young some of our listeners are but they may not know that before cable, there were not a lot of channels. So it was yeah. a pretty limited. And also before, you know, like premium cable, they really weren't trying that hard with with. There was a there was this kind of attitude that's like, well, it's TV. We gotta, it's gotta be there. <laughs> like, right, we right. gotta make, we gotta make something. It wasn't even like, hey, we should try and make this uh, good. It's like, okay, they have the choice between this and three other things. So all we gotta do is be better than those three other things. NBC <laughs> fall. It's not color bars. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> There's a couple hour stuff before you hear the national anthem, and then we just shut it all off. Oh, yeah, because TV stopped at an hour. Yeah. It yeah. was like we're just closing TV at, I don't know, 11, something like that. They yeah. would just be finished. Yeah. Well, I think it was it was Gunsmoke and then Ron, Walter Cronkite and then just the national anthem. And that was <laughs> Walter it. Cronkite talks you to sleep. <laughs> it was an hour and a half of television every night from uh, 7 p.m. to 8.30, and Walter Cronkite would uh, would say good night, and then it was just national anthem until the next yeah. Gunsmoke episode at seven the next day. Well, let's let's start with some old shows too, because one of the one of the categories of things we're looking at is insane uh, concepts that maybe they made a pilot, which is the first episode of a show, but otherwise it didn't go much further than that. Uh, there was this show called Puchinski, and uh, Dan, I think you in particular wanted to talk about it, but it's amazing. Well, well it's, we all remember Puchinski. Oh, yeah. Who, who couldn't? <laughs> that was one of the things that, like, when the internet first started to exist, like, one of those the clips you saw, like, these old pilot presentations that never saw the light of day would, yeah. like, leak to YouTube, and then you'd be like, oh, my God, look at all this crazy crap that was going on in the early 90s or late 80s that we would nev- never have known about unless you were at, like, a network upfront getting it presented to you. Um, <laughs> but yeah, when Alex sent the concept for this thing, I was like, ooh, we got to talk about Puchinski. And that was already on the list, of course. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> such a go-to. Uh, but it, it is a comedy, but serious kind of. Uh, it, it is a show about Peter Boyle of uh, Everybody Loves Raymond fame. He uh, He's a cop who dies in the line mm-hmm. of duty, but is reborn in the body of a dog named Puchinski <laughs> and continues to solve crimes and it's as his a dog. dog, right? It's his dog. Is that I what it was? I think so, right? Okay, yeah. yeah. I, I think he, his dog was nearby and he, his consciousness transferred into the, into the <laughs> body of the dog. Cause there. I guess he just has a really lazy consciousness and it didn't, <laughs> didn't want to bother being reborn into a new human body. It was like an Apple, like mm-hmm. airplay situation. It's just, yeah. like, <laughs> just went right over to the dog's brain. Sorry for the dog's like consciousness. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that dog, like, that dog was probably oh. really happy. Yeah. That dog's consciousness got a blue. Now he's got to solve it's a in, murder. It's in like limbo or some shit. It's dog limbo. It's just a, he's, He's in the sunken place. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's just watching all this stuff transpire. Yeah. 
Um, well, because yeah, that that whole description too is like very dark because it is dark. And then we've got uh, thanks to YouTube, this is like a forty second clip or so of uh, the promo that the network did, ABC did for nineteen nineties Puchinski. And let's just let's just hear this magic. Peter Boyle is a tough, ill-mannered cop who is run down in the line of duty. <laughs> but that's not the end of his story. No, no. He's reincarnated. Ha! Surprise! <laughs> As a streetwise bulldog in Puchinski. What are you going to do now? Well, first I'm going to try licking myself, and then I'm going to catch my killer. <laughs> the talking dog teams up with his astonished <laughs> former partner to put the bite on crime. It's touching. Look at me. I've become a dog. It's all sinking in now. It's poignant. But it's life. It's precious life. It's unforgettable. You're a dog. I'm a cop. This is ridiculous. <laughs> oh, God. It's so and that's wonderful. all we got. Yeah, yeah. That's the entire. And, like, you can tell even just from the soundtrack that they're working really hard to balance, like, uh, one of the bite sounds in that, if you're listening at home, was him like biting a guy in the nuts. Like, yeah. It's full of out. Of course. That's silly. And well, you know, also... and then when, it, when his partner is asking him to, to go out on duty and he's like, or he's like, what are you going to do next? And he's like, well, first I'm going to lick myself. And the, that's actually a callback to when Puchinski was a human and his partner <laughs> said, do you, wh- what are you going to do now? And he says, well, first I'm going to jack off and then we're going to get out of here. <laughs> so, you know, it's, uh, it was a nice callback. <laughs> well, I, I mean, uh, classic script writing. You got to get the character's wants out mm. right at the beginning. And he wants, right. what does he want? He wants to lick himself. He wants yeah. to catch his killer. Like, there you go. I'm, <laughs> I'm glued to this show. I'm going to watch it. I yeah. like that they pointed out uh, very early on in the trailer that he was an ill mannered cop because uh, <laughs> I don't have time for cops with manners. Yeah, uh, that's not just entertaining. The, to he's me. Re- reborn as this like very polite desk <laughs> desk cop who just does like a lot of procedural stuff. He does like presentations to like schools and stuff. Like, I also <laughs> like that the, the trailer's like he was run down, but his story doesn't end there. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I would hope not. <laughs> it's just <laughs> fifteen minutes of story and then forty five minutes of Peter Boyle's dead body laying on the ground, <laughs> and the puppet is like truly horrifying. I mean, yeah. that yeah. was in the. And they could have, you know, that was like around the same time as like Child's Play and stuff like that and Gremlins. And like, so they had the ability to make a more convincing dog and they just, they weren't going to waste that on TV, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, now now that you say that, like, I know they're working on a TV budget, but this was 1990 and like three years later we get Jurassic Park. But they couldn't do like a decent dog (laughs) puppet or something for this show where that's the main character. (laughs) I also like the, the like knockoff Beverly Hills Cop uh, synth music in the trailer. Yeah, it was just really. like, do, 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 do. It's like, <laughs> it sounded really familiar than... too. I yeah. could have sworn I heard that music. I think before. it's fake. Yeah, it's fake Beverly Hills Cop. Yeah. yeah. Let's see. Let's hit it. Let's hit it again. I'm just going to play the very beginning of this. Peter Boyle is a tough, <laughs> ill mannered cop who is run down in the line of duty. It's, it's some like. And then it's immediately ended by a car wreck. Yeah. <laughs> It's like a royalty-free song called, like, Melrose Avenue Jams or something. You know, it's like they want to make it sound like Beverly Hills Cop, but they can't call it that. So it's like... Santa Monica Detective. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like, slightly (laughs) one note off. (laughs) It's called A. Foley. Get it? The other song's called Axel F. That's a joke. For people who know the title of that instrumental. And this show was uh, canceled immediately after the pilot because that's I, I love stories like that. I love there was there's a couple that like 
that I've read about before where like somehow the head of the network just didn't know that it was coming on or something and then saw it on TV and, <laughs> call, and called in the middle of the I, I don't remember which one this was but like the head of the network <laughs> saw it playing on TV was like what the fuck is this on the network that my that I own and called in the middle of it and it didn't even finish airing Oh, that's amazing! Yeah, yeah. Anyway, like, I just like to assume that you it's imagine this one. like the the shot of like the like the hand holding like a whiskey <laughs> glass and it like shatters in the yeah, hand yeah, as yeah. he's watching it. You know? I just imagine all '80s TV networks as the network from Scrooge. That's just what I picture. That's my only frame of I reference. Think that's true. Yeah, that movie very prescient. If you yeah. go back and watch it, just all the stuff they're talking about, like TV, like and how lowbrow and you know they're up getting a TV network for cats and stuff yeah, like yeah, that yeah. and like throwing something into appeal to cats. It's like weirdly ahead of its time if you watch Scrooge. I was very disappointed <laughs> to learn that Bill Murray hates that movie or is very like embarrassed by it because I truly love it. I think the it's really good. The writer hates oh. it too. That yeah. Michael O'Donohue I think was like a embarrassed oh, yeah, by yeah. the cut they put out. And That's, I'm like, that movie's awesome. It's, it's so great. Good. It's really good. When they're also at, like making a lot of these movies in the 80s and 90s when meanwhile – TV TV was full on nuts. Like, yeah. I don't think people know. Like, <laughs> like when we look at 1990, Puchinski comes out. There was also a show called What a Dummy. And What a Dummy is about a family that finds a ventriloquist dummy in like their great uncle's steamer trunk. Mm-hmm. And then the dummy is alive and it just becomes a member of the family. And they so hang it's, out. It's Goosebumps plus Alf. Right. Yeah. <laughs> two premises that could be very scary, yeah. even Elf. Uh, but no, they're just doing like, ah, we found this dummy. I guess he's our son. I don't know. <laughs> what do you want to do, dummy? First, I'm going to lick myself. <laughs> then whatever. I don't really care after that. <laughs> like, why does he want to do that? Yeah, is this the same writer? <laughs> <laughs> but also, at, like just 1990, there was also a show called Dog Police, which was an entire police force of like humanoid dog beasts. And this show had Adam Sandler in it as like a street tough who mm-hmm. the dog police like went after. That was going on on TV. I, I think everyone making movies should have felt great. Like they should have felt like they're amazing. <laughs> that was the moment where Adam Sandler decided, I'm not going to try for anything that I ever make for the rest of my life. <laughs> because why bother? The dog police has a weird, has a chilling theme song also. Oh, it does? I haven't heard that. Is this the yeah. Norman Lear one? So there's a separate dog-centric yeah. show. Of course, of course. Of from course. 1979 <laughs> called A Dog's Life, which is a different version of humanoid dog beasts living a life that is a surprisingly easy mistake to make yeah. <laughs> because there were a bunch of these weird shows all Wait, of the time. I mean, I guess you have to remember at this time, ALF was like a runaway smash hit. So the idea of like, what a show with a dog is like not that crazy by like, yeah. you know, even though there's just the three networks pretty much, like freaking everyone <laughs> couldn't get enough ALF. So like. I think Harry and the Hendersons was around that time too. It was yeah. like, all right, we have a family. Now what's the weird hairy creature that we're yeah. getting? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm looking at just other ideas too. Like I feel like they truly are throwing anything against the wall kind of across the history of TV, mm-hmm. but especially in terms of just trends that they'll latch onto. Like for some reason there was a run of historical sitcoms and you would think like oh okay so it's just people being funny in the roman empire or whatever no there was uh, this one the secret diary of desmond pfeiffer yeah that is an amazing story yeah this was truly crazy to read about because it was uh just from the the clips that i watched it looked like it aired on upn 
was very like which most yeah. of their shows at that time was like it was in 1990 Moesha, and there were mostly like family sitcoms and then there was this one which is like all right we're just gonna blow <laughs> we're just gonna blow our whole budget on like period <laughs> costumes there's a lot of like detailed exposition they have to do like the the, the pilot starts off with like a three minute scrolling text oh my god yeah, of like, uh, <laughs> like Star Wars. the time was 1865. <laughs> and it, like, the, the whole thing is just insane. And it's uh, Chai McBride or Chi McBride, the, for a guy from yeah. uh, Boston Public, I want to say. He's been in many good shows. Yeah, yeah, been yeah. in many good shows. And, good and also this one. Um, <laughs> it aired in like 1999, I believe. And so they just mapped the like current political climate of 1999 onto uh, the Civil War era. Yeah. So it just ages badly in two different ways, and <laughs> it's just truly crazy. So they had this: uh, the the Abraham Lincoln character is like a big like like pussy hound, which yeah. is like because they're like, oh, we're gonna make him our like Bill Clinton, which is like so crazy because first of all, everybody knows Abraham Lincoln love that dick, uh, <laughs> so it's so crazy to make him like a womanizer in the first place. Wait, but, wait, that he's gay? Is yeah, that yeah, yeah? yeah, yeah. That, you, I, I'm pretty theory. sure you can find several yeah. articles on. <laughs> cracked that <laughs> that point to put this idea of of Lincoln being gay. We've probably but, also debunked it too. I don't know. Yeah, We've probably done yeah. both. What yeah. I also I've heard a lot about his predecessor James Buchanan maybe being gay with oh. the guy who was the previous vice president, previous administration. That's so Ooh. so that's so spicy. Was, uh, Make it, that sounds like a show he was to the me. Only unmarried yeah. president, right? Yeah, James he was Buchanan. a bachelor president. Well, yeah, and this show, Secret Diary of Desmond Pfeiffer. Desmond Pfeiffer is a person who was uh, kidnapped in England, forced into slavery in America, then freed and works in the Lincoln White House you know, during the Civil classic War. Classic sitcom premise. <laughs> like and works our, in a magazine uh, in the <laughs> like they were like what's a New workplace York idea? Yeah, yeah. yeah, and then it's the Lincoln White House, and like and like you say, Chase. Then they took the pretty recognizable character of Abraham Lincoln and made him horny Bill Clinton. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because there's a whole write-up of it in uh, its six TV shows you won't believe were actually made, uh, which is a cracked article by Robin Warder. It talks about how there's uh, one episode called AOL, Abe Online, where where Lincoln (laughs) becomes addicted to telegraph sex. Uh, (laughs) Like I said, it's just aged badly in two different ways. It's shocking. Right. Are, are there like telegraph operators on both ends of it? Like like oh, there's mor- gotta like be. Morse coding it out and handing them like the sexual messages? <laughs> like Yeah. I'm now a little bit on board for this sketch, yeah, but it's still it's kind of funny. <laughs> They're, they're, like, trying not to be horny about it. They're just trying to do their jobs. But, like, they can't not overhear some of the stuff when they're, like, you know, <laughs> making the marks and writing down the letters. And, yeah. Like, you can't just... I'm pulling down your stockings. Stop. I can't stop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. President. <laughs> like, I just pretend it's dots and dashes, man. I don't even think about it. Yeah. It's just dots and dashes. Uh, and this show ran for four episodes before it was off the That's... air. So funny. And like 1998, there was kind of some good TV going on yeah, then yeah. too. Like it was competing with it, decent we, shows. That's one year away from Soprano starting. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well, Larry Sanders had been on the air since the 93, yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Like TV was starting to be art. <laughs> and uh, Seinfeld was Not around. that it had never been before, but yeah, right. It was well, on yeah, at the same TV. time as Seinfeld. Yeah. Uh, I want to say Friends, maybe? Friends was probably in there. Yeah. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. then we had this thing. (laughs) We had Cheers for like 10 years, too. I mean, there were good shows. It just, uh, 
it's it's also like the the pilot process for people who don't know is like so elaborate. Like, you know, people pitch a millions and millions of pilots, and of those, they only take a small fraction, and of those, they like invest tons and tons of money into making these pilots. Yeah. And it just has to go through so many levels of checks and balances of like, you know, feedback and network feedback and upfronts and then like advertisers, mm. you know, and affiliates like have their input and stuff. So like the fact that the show gets to the point where it's like made and then they're like, what the hell is this? And then gets canceled is like, the, it, it's astounding. You know, yeah. 10,000 yeah. 10, eyeballs have been on that thing by the time, you know, it's not like some band released some album on a, on their own and then someone heard it and was like, that's wacky. It's like, this was went through so many channels and came out so weird still. I don't know if this is too like, Inside for listeners, or if people know what upfronts are, but yeah, like you said, like Puchinski definitely aired on a huge screen in front of a <laughs> like room full of hundreds of advertisers at some point, like the, yeah. whatever the, the year that it came out, and they were like excited enough about it to ne- where nobody like ran up to the to the head of the network and was like, "Hey, uh, don't do this." Like, <laughs> well, because yeah, talk a bit about what upfronts are, just in case. Like, it's a big sales. Yeah, presentation. it's 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 basically it's a huge sales presentation uh, for advertisers. It's it's held in New York every year. Uh, all the networks have a it does it you know a big uh, presentation day. They kind of spread it out across a whole week, and uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a weird amalgamation of like commerce and and art because all these networks are showing trying to show off their shows and get advertisers excited about them, but their their audience is basically a bunch of ad people. Right. Um, so they, they want everything to look like something that, that those people would want to advertise on. And yeah, it's just so crazy to imagine this playing on a big screen in like Radio City Music Hall or Javits Center or something in New York. People are like, yes, Puchinski, we are so excited about this one. The, the people from Bayer loved the lick yourself yeah. joke. You know, just like... When it, and it also, too, like, as we talk about so many eyes around these things, I feel like also it's kind of a good idea. A lot of these networks will, like, chase trends, you know? Like, one yeah. thing works, and then they'll try to iterate it. But also they'll see something like Secret Life of Desmond Pfeiffer just not work out and then kind of keep chasing failed trends, too. Like, the yeah. next year, there was a show on CBS called Thanks, and it was a sitcom set at Plymouth Colony, set in uh, you know colonial times and it's just a wacky regular family comedy where they also keep bringing up real historical stuff (laughs) about there being like a 50 percent mortality rate and and all kinds of death and savagery in a really (laughs) hard time and that was on a wacky neighbor character who's a native american (laughs) (laughs) he walks out they're like oh i love that guy it's a shame that we're going to massacre their people (laughs) huge laugh from the audience it is interesting i feel like you you naming these last two shows i feel like it's almost like people got tired with like the standard sitcom and then they're like we got to do something new but instead of doing something actually new they did the same thing just with like this weird cosmetic change yeah you know yeah. they like slap this like they're like now it's the same you know it's the the 50,000th same show it's just in plymouth and it's they're like, like the, well that's not really what <laughs> is different you yeah, know it's, it's like, like the illusion of a high concept show it's yeah. like no you're just making <laughs> you're just making the brady bunch <laughs> during the fucking Great Depression or something like yeah, that. Like, that's yeah, not yeah. that's not a real idea. <laughs> in the in the right context, they can work. I mean, the Flintstones is basically that. The Jetsons is that. Like, 
it done yeah. the right yeah. way, it can make sense. But yeah, it, there's a weird, there's a '90sness about about these. That, but yeah, I, I don't know what was affecting these shows. But yeah, they're just not. Also, I guess you know the Flintstones being animated goes a long way. It's like Thanks probably could have worked as a cartoon or something. Yeah, it, it, maybe I'm giving true. it too like, much credit. No, I see what you mean. Because like, I was the executive producer, yeah. so I. Uh, <laughs> Maybe the people at that time weren't ready for something so revolutionary. I just like Chase, these imbeciles. Chase sounds really defensive about this one. It's just like and that, and that's an amazing point too about like I, I guess if I think about it, so many good shows sound insane on paper too. Like yeah. so many of them are nuts. Like you think about something like The Muppet Show, where it's oh, it's a late night variety show run by puppets, mm-hmm. where it's just its own world. That could be very good or very bad, and you never know. And The Muppet Show's great. And then there was also, in 2007, Kanye West tried to make a show called Alligator Boots <sighs> that was a like raunchy hip-hop puppet show. And also, according to an oral history of it, how he met Kim Kardashian. <laughs> well, Because with uh, Kanye, apparently, he performed on Jimmy Kimmel's show, and then he talked him up afterward and said, hey, my friend Rhymefest has a character called Pork Troy, which is an all-time top rapper who is a pig and no one knows it, you know? Yeah. And we should build like a puppet-based show around me and Pork Troy going back and forth. And it's also a late night show. And so their co- their company was making Crank Yankers, the Comedy yeah, Central show. I was going to say, that was actually a smart move on Kanye's part. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it was like the exact right person to make it. And so they made this entire pilot. It has like uh, kind of graduation era Kanye music to it, which is always, that you was, know, a that boost. was a great era. And then yeah. according to the oral history of it, he saw the Kim Kardashian sex tape and then told the producers, like, we need to get her in a sketch <laughs> on this pilot. Like, absolutely. <laughs> And then they ended up doing it, and she's in, like, a Princess Leia, Slave Leia costume. And Uh then there's a bear R&B singer puppet named Barry White who, like, comes on to her. And that was how they met. And they made this entire, like, elaborate late-night variety Muppet show. And now that show is in its 15th season. It's crazy how things work. (laughs) Yeah. Did it air at all? It never aired, yeah. And it was also apparently uh, Jordan Peele's first job after Mad TV. Wow. And everyone was like, he's very good on the team. Like in the oral history, Jimmy Kimmel's like, this guy was clearly like, why is he not the funniest and biggest comedian in the world? He's Mm -hmm. really, really good at everything Mm -hmm. he's doing. uh, We also have some episodes of shows that you at home have probably seen or even know that were just nuts all of a sudden. Because once we get past the stage of a show working and being on the air, they also need to write maybe hundreds of episodes yeah. of and occasionally it goes crazy. Yeah, you you forget in the, you know, Netflix, Hulu, HBO era that we're in now that almost every network show had to do 24 episode seasons. And yeah. uh that, you know, yeah. that meant if yeah. you're <laughs> seasons 4, 5, whatever, you're you're getting into 140 episodes of Fresh Prince and Family Matters and Yeah. Uh, not surprisingly, it started getting I, I, it's got more insane than you would think, but it's not that surprising that the well was running dry. Twenty-four episodes is so crazy, and and, and it's funny that like I I don't know why it, we do that here, but like yeah, Brit- British shows their their seasons or their series are always like four or six or eight episodes at most if you if they really feel like going crazy, right? And that seems so much more reasonable. It's like I always think about it when I rewatch. 
the OC, which is the <laughs> show that I have rewatched the most times other than The Sopranos. It's Sopranos and the OC. I've both I've gone through the entire thing for each of them, maybe like four to five times. And but I always like when I go back and watch the OC season one, it's like I can't believe that Luke was trying to fuck Marissa's mother in season one. That was a season one plot line. That <laughs> yeah. feels like a season three plot line, but they had to fill so much time. Yeah, it's 20, well, not literally 24 hours of television, but yeah. it's like, you know, 18 hours of television yeah. or something like that. It's, it's That's so much time. That's nine movies. Yeah. Like, you have to write yeah. nine movies. <laughs> and then if it's a hit show, like, you know, Lost was a network show and it was an hour long, and the first season's really tight, and they're just like, it was this runaway hit. It's like, cool, now write nine more movies about <laughs> yeah. this indefinitely for the next, you know, X years. We don't even know when it's going to end. Yeah, because uh, those British shows, like, not only will the seasons be short, sometimes the entire series will be short. Like, yeah. I remember seeing yeah. Faulty Towers as a kid, and I was like, well, that was the first 12. What now? Yeah. And I was told, no, that's it. That's no, it. We're making two of them, and that's it. That's all you get. <laughs> yeah. Weirdly, every now and then, there is the random BBC show that just goes on for like 15 years or something, which makes it even crazier that most of the other ones are so short. Yeah, I feel like the BBC is just pilots for new things and Doctor Who. Yeah. And that's it. Like, yeah. that's Doctor all they Who do. Well, yeah, it's like, uh, yeah, uh, you know, every every show is uh, two years, except this one that's 64 years. Yeah. <laughs> Who will be the 27th Doctor? <laughs> like, uh, I don't know. Yeah, the the British office is, it's six episodes, six episodes, and a Christmas special. And that's, yeah, that's the that's entire it. existence of it. And, uh, and then meanwhile, uh, there's a few we want to talk about here. One, uh, Family Matters, season eight, episode seven. <laughs> so at that point, you're, I think, I don't know, 200 episodes yeah. in, something like that. Yeah. Well, Family Matters is such a weird one because it started off as a spinoff. Harriet was a character on Perfect Strangers and got a spinoff about her family. Yeah, And right. so it was Harriet Winslow and Carl and their children. Urkel was was like a Kramer character. He was very occasional. And I think he might not have even been in, in the first season. I think he, he might have been think, introduced in yeah. season two or something like that. But even when he was introduced, he was such an occasional like he was, you know, he pops in once an episode or something like that. And then it was such like a Bart Simpson thing where like once America like fell in love with Steve Urkel, he became the focus of the show. And I just, I bet that actress who played Harriet was just so pissed all the time at this little kid. Like she must have <laughs> fucking hated him. I I forgot Harriet's name yeah. until you brought it up. And I feel very bad about it. But I was yeah, only right. like 50% like... sure that I was right as oh. I was saying. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. Yeah, you're right. There was a show, then a spinoff, then extra characters, then a side character. Yeah. And like that was what we ended up with being. Mm-hmm. And, and, and like the later seasons of Family Matters dip into like hard sci-fi. <laughs> it's yeah. like yeah. they're going into space. They are. He's got a cloning chamber. At some point, it, it really got like comic books. It was like, so he started turning himself into Stefan or Kel, and that was like a Jekyll and Hyde thing. But then they wanted to keep that the Stefan character around at all times. So he then like clones him so that he's permanent. <laughs> and it was like, it was really, it reminded me of like, I was reading comic books at the time too. And like, it just reminded me of like the clone saga in Spider-Man or something. It was that <laughs> convoluted. Well, there's a, speaking of Jordan Peele, there was that Key and Peele sketch about uh, where Jordan Peele is uh, is Carl Winslow, and he's just yelling at the writers because he keeps getting these scripts that are just more and more insane. <laughs> about like yeah. he's like, this is a show about a, like a blue collar family. Yeah. Like, why is Steve Urkel like turning me into a car and driving me around? And sit, you know, it's like that kind of thing. But like when you watch that and then look at what happened on the actual show, it's 
barely an exaggeration. Yeah. It's like, yeah. yeah, like you said, Stefan and Urkel existed at the same time. I think it was because also because Jaleel White was like 30. And so yeah. it was like his real, he was just this guy at that point. But then like when he was Urkel, yeah, he, he was would like, tired of damaging his own voice yeah, box he would like by put on suspenders and be like, hey, everyone. And then he would just take it off and be like, hey, what's up? I'm just a guy now at this point. Let <laughs> like, me stop. Hey, I, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to get laid. <laughs> Please, can I show America how handsome I am? Yeah. <laughs> There was an Urkel bot, which he again. I think he created. He created in one episode, and then it was like just part of the show. It was just like part of the. I want to know how many different versions of Urkel there were at its biggest, at its most bloated point. It was like the multiple oh, man comics. Yeah, yeah. It was just around everywhere. Because like, well, there's this one episode that shows like how far they would take these terrible ideas. The episode's name was Steville, and it was because. <laughs> Urkel got a, got a doll called Stevel, and then it turned out it spoke in a satanic voice, told him it was going to murder the family, and then it one by one murders all the family members. Like, it sucks Eddie into the chimney. Well, you know, when you name it Stevel, yeah, what, <laughs> what really are you expecting to happen? Uh, kills Eddie with the chimney, runs down the kids with a car, dismembers Laura, and then uh, decapitates the mom. But then it turns out uh, it was all a dream, like, after a while. He's talking to Carl, right? And then it, Carl, yes. it turns out oh, yeah, the puppet yeah. is using Carl as a puppet, and he's actually dead. And he, like, throws him aside. Yeah, that's like, so Wait, where dark. was his hand? <laughs> I don't know, man. Also, he's doing his voice. I, I don't yeah. know. That is crazier than the Key and Peele sketch, right? Yeah. That's or it's as yeah. crazy as the like we're doing a sketch well, about how ridiculous the show got. It's that crazy. I do kind of miss. I think that was a Halloween thing that they did. Two, yeah, it was. two two years in a row or something like that. And I do really, and even like undoing it at the end is kind of a kind of a treehouse of horror. Like, oh, it's a fun like non-canon episode type thing, uh, which is kind of fun. I do kind of miss how all out. Uh, sitcoms would go in the 90s with Halloween because I really love Halloween and I, and I, like ro- yeah. I remember Roseanne would do it you know that show we all uh, still fondly remember Roseanne uh, Sterling but, Reputation yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember Home Improvement would do it the show Martin would go really all out with they, they would like they would have them be like oh we're gonna do like kind of a fun scary one and, and like it was always I, I do kind of miss that aspect of it yeah, well, especially just all shows actually being on the air at specific times than they would do every holiday. Yeah. Like, e- even as recently as when I was watching Community, I'd be like, oh, they really go nuts on mm-hmm. Valentine's Day and St. Patrick's yeah. Day and yeah. all these things. They, uh, the, the sort of catty corner to that, which they usually didn't undo, which was funny, is the sitcoms where there's an episode where Santa is real. <laughs> there are a lot of... <laughs> That's a very common thing on shows. There are a lot of them. I, I think I did a Cracked article about it and was looking into it, and there's like 12 examples of like totally normal shows where like the in like The Nanny... They, they're in the hospital on Christmas, and then some guy comes in, and he's like, but I'm Santa. They're like, okay, old man. And then the end of the episode, he's, like, flown out the window, and they're all waving at him. And it's like, what? Like, yeah. the nanny has, like, magic? Wait, has- all of these people are <laughs> yeah. agreeing that there's Just, a real Santa Claus? The whole rest of the series is, uh, you know. <laughs> How can, Why wouldn't they be talking about that all the yeah. time? <laughs> like, but wait a second. That guy flew away. Uh, it's these shows, like... They're like, yeah, let's just throw in like a touching cord at the end of a holiday thing. Yeah. And they're like, ding. And it, you know, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. <laughs> and they're also like, what? Like, there is a, there's a Family Matters did it, of course. Great. Um, I like three times, something like that. <laughs> they uh, kept forgetting that he yeah. was real. <laughs> but then uh, ER, 
ER has an episode. <laughs> night Court has an episode. It's just like where someone comes wow. in to Night Court and he's like, but I'm Santa. And it's like unclear if he is or not. And just like, what? I would love to just watch. It was watch... like season one of Night Court, too. I would like... love to watch Michael Crichton watch the episode of ER where Santa Claus is real. Yeah. There's <laughs> <It's> like <laughs> s- hard, this and... hard science writer who created ER. I would love to just watch him take his characters and be like, oh, Oh, Santa. He came and visited all the children of the hospital. <laughs> that <laughs> one, it, it, that reveal is just like the how you described, too. It's like guys like Santa, blah, blah, blah. Like, Christmas is stupid. And he, like, goes outside and looks up, and you see, like, the camera panning away, and he's like, huh? And that's the end of the episode. I would love like, if there was this, like, a coda after the credits or something where, like, Dr. Green realizes that there's been a carbon monoxide leak in the hospital the <laughs> yeah. entire episode. And that's why it happened. <laughs> Well, and even just any TV episode that that truly rounds off in "Oh, we were all insane" is like, <laughs> "Oh, you wasted my time." I, yeah. I don't mm-hmm. like. I, I like thinking of that as a fan theory, but don't do that. Like, yeah, come oh, on. I mean, I was just saying, I I do love that sitcoms would go all out for Halloween in the '90s, but I also loathe the "It was all a dream" ending. I hate that. Like, <laughs> even if it was just like, okay, so I just watched 22 minutes of like shenanigans. That's still like, so you're telling me I just watched like Eddie Winslow sleeping for half an hour? Like, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> there's like, there's like another cam. Like, you yeah, could yeah, just yeah. watch that Actually, if you want. Honestly, that would have made it so much funnier if there was a little, if there was a little uh, screen in the corner that was just him like tossing and turning. Yeah, it's, like, it's one of those like Andy Warhol like eight. <laughs> Like eight hour videos of like sleeping. (laughs) And it's just called like couch. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) The the most like artistic episode of Family Matters ever. Support for today's show comes from Squarespace because they are a very, very, very intelligent company. They say, hey, who on the internet is neat? Who wants to show off that neatness with their very own website? It's people who listen to the Cracked Podcast. That's the group we want. That's who we want to go get. Let's have Alex talk to him. Because you could use a website if you don't have one. There's probably writing you're doing. There's probably products you're making. Maybe there's just stuff you want to tell the world. A TV show you wrote, perhaps. A, here we go, tying into the episode with beautiful templates created by world-class designers and the ability to customize just about anything with a few clicks. You can easily make a beautiful website yourself. Also, everything about it will be optimized for mobile right out of the box. I work at a website. We look at how people look at the website, and they're using their phones. That's their favorite way to see the internet now. You may know it yourself if you have a smartphone. Why don't you make a website that will look good on that phone no matter what? Squarespace empowers millions of people from designers to lawyers, artists to gamers, even restaurants and gyms to turn great ideas into something real. Why don't you join them? Check out squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code CRACKED to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com, offer code CRACKED for 10% off. You know, hiring used to be hard. Multiple job sites, stacks of resumes, a confusing review process. But today, hiring can be easy, and you only have to go to one place to get it done. ZipRecruiter.com slash Cracked. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80% of employers get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. And with results like that, it's no wonder that ZipRecruiter is the highest rated hiring site in America. And right now, 
Our listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash cracked. That is ZipRecruiter.com slash C-R-A-C-K-E-D. ZipRecruiter.com slash cracked. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Because also, there's another one that kind of did that, which is Tiny Toon Adventures, because there was an episode of that about them finding one beer and drinking it. I, I, Alex, I swear to God, when you sent this email, I saw this episode, and I don't think I'm making it up. In the write-up, it says it only aired once. Yeah, because right? it, it aired once and then was banned from airing again because yeah. it was too nuts. And also, it's Tiny Toons. There would be a couple stories per episode, like mm. a lot of kids' cartoons. So this was part of one episode, and then they were like, no, never again. I remember watching this. I didn't think anything of it at the time because it's, like, cartoony, but it's really weird. Seeing that it aired once, I'm questioning if I watched it, but I'm I'm pretty positive that I did. Does it? That's amazing. The article kind of insinuated that it, like, lampoons the very special episode trope is that kind of what happens because if so that's like really subversive i feel like i don't think it is trying to but maybe it's like written with so much snark like or by writers who have that snark that it comes out that way well it just wouldn't surprise me because i just when i think of the 90s like wb animation studio i think of like animaniacs and stuff and and tiny tunes wasn't quite on the animaniacs level as far as like you know, winking at the audience, but, but oh, yeah. I would definitely see Animaniacs doing it. It's an possible. Like that. But yeah. uh, the, the episode was, uh, it was what, Plucky and Buster Bunny, uh, Plucky Duck, Buster Bunny, and and Hampton the Pig? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Bugs they, and Daffy and Porky. I can yeah. never remember that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the, the other ones. But yeah. uh, don't you remember the song? They explain it all, Alex. <laughs> Look, I guess, yeah. they just took the character models, they shrunk them down, and they turned them a different color. Yeah, they're furry, they're funny, they're Babs and Buster Bunny. Uh-huh. Montana Max has money. Whatever. It's, I, it's, it's Is all, Yosemite it's Sam Montana very... Max? I think he was. And, 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 but he's like a billionaire, though. And I and the article points this out too, but but they don't ever say what the relationship is. Like if these are all bastard children of the original characters or not. <laughs> right. We know that they're their teachers, but yet somehow these younger versions of all these characters have just perfectly matriculated oh. into this school. Because I don't remember it well. Is it like an X Men Academy of the the adult? <laughs> it Tunes is kind of like a, it's the... kind of like a, this is for this is for the the comic book people out there. It's sort of like a, a Young Avengers or like a Teen Titans type situation where oh, okay. there's there is a version of every of every Looney Tunes character that you like. There's a version of that character on Tiny Tunes. Yeah. And and Montana Max I think was like a weird twist on the Yosemite Sam character because he's you know he's got like a, a location in his name, but instead of being like a <laughs> Like a rootin' tootin' cowboy guy shooting uh, guns in the air. It's almost like if Yosemite Sam like discovered oil or something. Yeah, and I then, think that's what it is. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's like Richie Rich or something. Like, he's yeah, wealthy. yeah, exactly. Okay. He like yeah. he he's Yosemite Sam's illegitimate child who grew up rich. <laughs> yeah, um, that's so strange. But yeah, yeah, it's it's the three of them. They discover a beer. They drink it. They get hammered. They steal a police car. They drive it off of a cliff, and <laughs> it crashes, and they die. And yeah. it's a warning. And it ends with the, the it's their, like, angels going up to heaven. So it's, like, a little, it's not, like, a flaming bunny corpse, but it's, like, yeah. they're, like, the strumming the harp going up to heaven. And they're, like, see, like, drinking is dumb, like, that kind of thing. They would do the, the angel version of the character strumming a, a harp thing in Looney Tunes a lot. Like, yeah, I, the coyote like, did that, you know, he died thousands of times, probably. But having it then also try to give some kind of message is such a weird added 
lair. Yeah, actually, in hindsight, they die all the time of just attacking each other in the yeah. cartoons. And then I'm like weirded out by alcohol being the reason. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why. Yeah. But... <laughs> it's so immediately more serious somehow. It's also, it yeah. seems like, I mean, I guess I watched Tiny Toons when I was like 10, 12, something like that. It seemed like a little early to be getting that message, right? Like, yeah. don't yeah, like get yeah. drunk and steal a police car and drive it off a cliff. Like, <laughs> I'm hey, like, what? Hey, kids, I'm in like... eight years or six, if you're really cool, yeah. you're going to be handed alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'll I'll n- jot that down for the future, but I hadn't even considered stealing cars right. uh, at that age. <laughs> People who were like, I don't know, fifteen or sixteen year olds delinquents are maybe not watching Tiny Toons. I don't or at know. At least not like, admitting it to their friends. Yeah, I, it's weird what they were going for with that one. Yeah, yeah. Um, although I do remember well, the the cartoon Stars of the Rescue. Do you remember that episode? Yeah, that was a very preachy. That was. Looney property was represented. Ah, Muppet Babies. Yeah, Kermit was in it. Yeah, it was Stars to the Rescue. It was called like TV that? Network TV Stars to the Rescue or something like, or Cartoon so Car- I, I Cartoon All Stars to the Rescue. I think was the name of it. I think the whole thing's on YouTube. Yeah, uh, it's I, like, we were shown it at different times, at two to three times while I was growing up in school. I remember being really excited whenever Michelangelo from the Ninja Me Turtles too. Would, would come on screen. Because <laughs> yeah. it was the only, that was the closest it got to being like a cartoon that I would want to watch. Yeah. Uh, but he didn't oh do God. anything. He didn't do anything fun. And and it's very it's very funny that it was only him because it's it makes it feel like it's a live action thing where they could only afford like yeah, one of the it actors. Totally does. <laughs> it's like you couldn't have drawn the other characters. Like they don't even have to have speaking roles. You could just draw them. <laughs> I just I Googled it rapidly. Cartoon All Stars to the Rescue, nineteen ninety animated American drug abuse prevention television yeah. special, simulcast on all four major networks. And also financed by the Ronald McDonald Children's Charities. Yeah. So McDonald's made it. That's ah. funny. This and was full on this was like during the war on drugs. The kid, the the kid who gets hooked on dope in the as they call it in the episode, they make it look so ghoulish, like what it does to you. And I think it's just marijuana. I think it's just marijuana that it gets on. But it's there's like yeah. a there's like this evil cartoon smoke. It's like a specter made out of smoke that is like kind of like the devil <laughs> on your shoulder. That's mm. like hey, and then he like takes over the guy. You know, he's like running the show. But the cartoon all stars oh. Kermit and Michelangelo and. Yeah, smoke uh, and anthropomorphic cloud of smoke. And yeah. it was up against the, ca- the characters from 10 different franchises. Alf, Alvin and the Chipmunks, DuckTales, Garfield and Friends, Looney Tunes, Muppet Babies, Winnie the Pooh, mm-hmm. Real Ghostbusters, Smurfs, and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah. yeah. We're but, all in one show. It was, like the said, original, only, it was the original Avengers. Only Michelangelo, <laughs> though. Ra- Raphael was shooting a movie in Vancouver <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. that weekend. <laughs> like... <laughs> And, and these shows were trying to tackle hugely serious stuff. Like we were also looking at the Fresh Prince of Bel Air doing season five, episode fifteen, "Bullets Over Bel Air," oh, an incredibly heavy guns episode. I want to say that Fresh Prince did several of these like very special episode things. Where and yeah, I think this might have coincided with with Will Smith wanting to become a more serious actor. But there were definitely like a few episodes where he like showcased his his chops. Uh, yeah, like being mad at his dad, like his yeah, actual father yeah, yeah. and stuff. I remember him being like in tears. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Fresh Prince at the same time also did a lot of that, the stuff we were just talking about, like really meta fourth wall breaking. He would breaking. break the fourth wall, yeah, all the time. Like, he was like, oh, yeah. I remember the lines very specifically, like, don't you wish your family lived on TV? And it's like, how do you do that? But then in the next in the next scene, you're shot in the gut. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can't you just be like, ooh, look at the camera and be like, oh, this is not ideal. Yeah. <laughs> 
there, there's one scene where uh, he goes back to his old Philly neighborhood and he's like, oh, I hope I don't run into, and I forget, he says the guy's name and they're like, who's that? And he's like, ah, he's that guy who spins me over his head in the opening credits. Yeah. Like, oh, I didn't remember like, that. Yeah. That's amazing. It's like really funny. <laughs> but then, yeah. Sounds but, like a good friend. Uh, I, I think this show notoriously had a lot of showrunner issues. Like they were constantly changing showrunners and who was like in charge uh, of seasons. Sometimes and stuff changing like that. Aunt Vivs. Yeah, changing Aunt Vivs. True. They call that out a couple times too. Yeah. Like Jazz. Is, oh, Aunt Viv, you look different. Yeah. He turns to audience it's for j- four minute applause break. Yeah. They're, they're, it's like a running joke that only Jazz notices the new Aunt Viv. It's like, that's actually, that's thing. really funny. It's pretty funny. <laughs> that's a good he's, he's like, yeah, here's Aunt Viv. And he's like, he like looks at her and he's like, huh? Like, but doesn't like call it out beyond that. But it's like no one but Jazz can see that. What but, if what if they force Jazz to know everything? Like that Aunt Viv changed and Santa is real. Yeah. Or, like every weighty thing. That Jazz realize. is the watcher. <laughs> he ends up like the, the I final am... episode. He's he's locked away in an asylum. <laughs> no one no one believed him about anything. <laughs> Jazz's Jazz's cue from from Star Trek Next Generation. He's like he's like I am shouldered with the burden of all of the knowledge of humanity and how it will end. Smash <laughs> cut to him being thrown out of the house again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, but I mean, I, th- I think their personnel changed constantly. And again, it's a network sitcom that was 24 episode seasons and a bunch of stars who were getting big as the show was on the air. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I have no doubt that there were just 20 different voices pulling the show in different directions. And that's how you get episodes where they, yeah, they, they break the fourth wall. And then there's like a, you know, there's like a and Rashomon. Carlton has a Coke problem. There's a, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. there, there's a Rashomon episode. Yeah, they did a, one of those episodes where there's a party and then Uncle Phil breaks up the party and then they get into a court case about it and then they both tell their sides of the story and like, you know, in Will's version, it's this very wholesome party and Uncle Phil's a huge jerk breaking it up and then the reverse <laughs> is like, you know, Uncle Phil tells the story, it's this crazy party and he's like very nice to them. It's like, it, and that's why it's so weird that they have this episode where it becomes a serious thing about gun violence, like in the middle of the episode. It's so unexpected. Yeah, in Bullets Over Bel Air, they are going to go on a camping trip, and then Will and Carlton stop at an ATM, and then suddenly there's a mugger. He fires a gun at them. Will takes a bullet for Carlton, and then we're in the hospital going over very specifically that the bullet barely missed Will's spine. Uh, and so he'll be able to walk still and then Carlton is traumatized from it and then has a gun and Will gets in a fight with him about whether he has a gun Carlton like angrily throws the gun away and then Will is weeping and that's the show roll credits and then Carlton does the Carlton dance over the closing credits it's so weird (laughs) really out of nowhere and it might be that because this would have been over 100 episodes into the run and maybe it is that thing where once a show's running and like you guys were saying Will wants to be a serious actor maybe the writers too want to be like they're like i'm writing a season five fresh prince i'm gonna write one that blows people's minds yeah. and like yeah. changes the world and then you get these intense episodes well i think uh, f- uh home improvement did the same thing where they they were gonna end it and then they came back for a last season and all of them were like we don't want to just come back and shit out a bunch more episodes we want to do serious issues and then every episode in the last season of Home Improvement is really serious. It's like, it's, you know, they find Brad is smoking pot. And then it's like a whole half the episode about drugs and how Tim Allen used to drink. And st- it's like, 
And oh. every episode is Wilson like, reveals he has jaw cancer. The bottom half of his face just hasn't it just hasn't been there the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. There's an episode where Mark is goth, the youngest kid becomes goth, and they have to like deal with it. It's like every episode is ser- is like more serious than the last. That actually, have you guys seen the documentary about the Dana Carvey show? Yes. Uh, yeah, I really like that. Yeah, because I that show they were rolling it out to like air after Home Improvement yes. and benefit from it. Oh god, and the whole sec- a, the whole section of it where they talk about Home Improvement, you can just see the disdain on their faces for it. And they well, and, and there because there's one part in the doc too where like they're showing the network promo that the network aired <laughs> to like get people going for both shows and it was this incredibly very special episode home improvement and then see dana carvey be funny like and yeah. it was <laughs> almost <laughs> disaster. If, that's, if that's out there that would almost be worth pulling up i think it's so fucking funny i think they after they play it they just cut to all the talking heads in the documentary just genuinely laughing their asses off abc tuesday a parent's worst fear losing a child i don't want to die dad you never know whose family it will happen to an episode so powerful it hits home we'll beat this thing no matter what it is you know i'm not letting anything happen to you a special home improvement followed by the diet mug root beer dana carving show And, and now I'm watching Stephen Colbert, Steve Carell, and Dana Carvey all, like, weep. <laughs> it's so fucking funny. Also, I mean, the transition is ridiculous, but, like, what the hell was that episode of Home Improvement? I don't yeah. want to die, Dad. Like, yeah, it was, uh, what's, who was JTT's character's name? Was it Randy? Randy. Yeah, yeah. Randy says, I don't want to die, Dad. I, I don't remember that one. I don't remember. I might have bailed on the show by then, but uh, I don't remember what ailments or whatever he might have been getting but like what the fuck it's insane yeah well especially to make it jonathan taylor thomas like the hottest boy in america is dying of cancer are you kidding me he can't die his hair is too floppy (laughs) and that that kind of leads us into the other third broad category of thing is secret behind the scenes issues that change the course of a hit show so with like home improvement it gets way too serious all of a sudden because they want to other shows are suddenly in space like family matters and then uh, i think we were talking about lost before there's a correct article here seven insane things tv shows did when they ran out of money it's by jm McNabb, uh, and he pulls out that lost just kind of ran out of cash at the start of season three (laughs) And that's why they spent the first six episodes with all of the characters just in one jail. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't know that that was going on there. And also in the same article, they talk about uh, Walking Dead season two, where the characters get stranded on a farm and then spend the entire season on a farm was largely, I believe, because AMC uh, Mad Men went crazy over budget. Yeah. And so they had to like scrimp on Walking Dead. And so like... <laughs> I remember people talking about it like it was this dumb artistic choice or Frank Darabont was like insistent on doing this, you know, minor drama or something. And then it was like, no, they just didn't have money to get off the farm. Yeah. It's kind of funny. And yeah. same with Lost. I, you know, I I didn't realize that. Yeah. Now that you mention it with Lost, that explains why the polar bear was just J.J. Uh, Abrams and Damon Lindelof in a two-person bear costume. <laughs> I had always wondered. I thought that, might be, <laughs> thought that might be a creative choice, but it makes so much more sense now. <laughs> Huge zipper. Just obvious. <laughs> is this when, is this when uh, 
Sawyer and it's Evangeline Lilly were in the were in the, the cell together. Or was this yeah, a different time? Yeah, oh, okay. I think so. Yeah, yeah. For, that did last for such a long time. Yeah. Well, and it, apparently the way it aired, because I didn't watch Lost when it was happening, but apparently they aired all six of these episodes where all, most of the main characters are in jail, and then there was an eight-week hiatus, and then the show came back. So then fans saw those six episodes and then spent the next eight weeks remaining mad about it and yeah. not coming back to the show. Like <laughs> mm-hmm. It took a huge bite out of the ratings for Lost. Lost, like we were saying, was a, was a huge hit show on a network, and yeah. it's 24-episode seasons, and so after season one... They just had to burn through stuff so fast. Same with 24. Like, yeah. they burned through ideas really, really fast and also didn't know, with Lost, they didn't know when it was going to end. So it was like, you know, they couldn't even do arcs or like, they're not like, okay, we have five seasons to do like a big arc or something. So like, people complain the show like spins its wheels in the middle seasons and it does. And the creators admit it. They're just yeah. like, yeah, we. And they were just, they were planting a bunch of seeds that they didn't necessarily even intend yeah. to ever sow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but it's like it's hard to blame them because they're you know they're filling twenty four hours of TV. They had an idea for season one and like crafted this really you know tight season where everyone there's a backstory for everyone and it coincides with their life on the island. And yeah. then by season three, they're like, I don't know, uh, Jack has tattoos. <laughs> uh, maybe they mean something. Maybe they don't. I don't know. <laughs> Kill, Numbers. Kill time. They Numbers. Keep, every character keeps looking at their watch. They're like, oh, got, <laughs> got 28 more minutes in this episode. I can't believe we're still uh, lost. Yeah. <laughs> someone, someone would say that every couple episodes. <laughs> it's like Gilligan's Island. They keep thinking they're going to get off the island. <laughs> like, it really was. There's it, a helicopter. Oh, oh no. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm still so impressed. And I'm also, my context for Lost was so different because I – Waited to get into it until the final season, and then I watched everything. There was a couple weeks of work there. I don't know where I was working at the time, but wherever it was, uh, sorry, because I wasn't doing anything except watching Lost on the ABC <laughs> app, just going all the way through it. Um, at a children's hospital. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, rest in peace, Brandon. Um, but I still think it was so impressive, everything that they were able to do. And there was so many good, yeah. so many good shows that came after that were – so influenced by it. Like, I don't yeah. think you would have the flashback structure that you have in Orange is the New Black without Lost. Oh, that's I don't dead think on. It's have, exactly Yeah, it. I don't yeah. think that you would have, you know, The Good Place, uh, Michael Scherr has been very open about the fact of how influenced he was by Lost. It's just, yeah, yeah such yeah. a great show. I guess just to say, like, I'm not mad at it because there was so much that was good about it. No, me neither. I defend the finale to people. I don't think the finale's bad. Yeah. I, th- I think the show, once they got an end date, and the, again, the creators admit this, once they were like, okay, you got three more seasons, they were like, mm-hmm. okay, and they figured out like how to start wrapping stuff up. But it's yeah. a lot of the stuff from the middle seasons is just unresolved because they were just killing time. Yeah. Like, it's like if you, had not, if you had a good idea for a movie, and then they're like, that's a great movie, write 10 more movies now, or, or write, indefinitely keep writing movies until maybe you'll stop. Then you'd be like, uh, oh, okay, I kind of had this one idea for a movie. They're like, great, no, it's a hit. Okay, <laughs> like, keep doing it forever, every year, and then maybe it'll like end at some point. Both those shows, too, like Lost and Walking Dead, not only are they trying to keep it going forever, they're also massive hits when both of them were told to cut the budget, and yeah. that must have been a huge surprise. Like, yeah, like, I think na- like national hits. I think Frank Darabont's still pretty <laughs> sore about it, considering he's suing them for so much money. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I that I remember being so frustrated during season two, and and it does make more sense now hearing that. But like, 
Man, I yeah. stuck I stuck around with The Walking Dead for way too long. I bailed on it uh, pretty soon after Negan came along, and I am so glad. I'm so relieved every weekend that I don't have to watch it. And I think there were I think there were great episodes of that show, and I think there were some really entertaining seasons. But uh, it's frustrating to me how I imagine like what that show would have been if Frank Darabont had like stayed uh, in charge. And it's you know I, just kind of a bummer. Yeah. You know, I hear news about it when it happens, but I know that like Rick is leaving now, and they're going to keep it going. And it's like, why? The oh, rating, the ratings are going down every season. It's like, don't, don't, don't do a American Office thing where you just keep it going until you know Ed Helms shows up on The Walking Dead somehow, <laughs> yeah. <He's, laughs> and somehow he's the boss. I don't know. I don't know how that happened. Yeah, it changed every week on <laughs> yeah. The Office, right? It yeah. Was like, oh, yeah. I, I, I love I, I, seasons two through. Four of the American Office are really, really great television. And I would I, say I'd include five. In yeah, that. Uh, five is awesome. Yeah, actually, yeah. I even like the late seasons of it. But there, I understand there that it's were, like I mean, a lot of there turnover. Was, there was <laughs> there was a lot of turnover, and there were occasionally like uh, really good episodes of of The Office in the later seasons. But yeah, once they got you know they got into like Robert California and uh, all that stuff, it was like, what are you guys doing? I remember they got to a they did a clip show for the first time in like season eight or something like that. And I remember being so mad at that episode because it's so bad. And it's also like a show that is mockumentary style already. It's like, yeah. how how the fuck are you gonna get away with doing a clip show in a show that's supposed to be a mockumentary already? Like, it just right. didn't make any sense at all. <laughs> yeah, there actually, there's a few cases of weird clip shows and other shows too. Like there was a TNG Star Trek Next Generation episode called Shades of Grey, mm-hmm. where they were told, uh, they were like, you have absolutely no budget to make one more episode of this show for the season. You just need to do it. And so they they were like, you have three days to shoot something. And so they gave Riker an alien virus. And then the cure was for him to just remember stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so they put him in a machine and then he just remembered stuff. And this was in season two of Star Trek The Next yeah. Generation. So there's like not a lot of clips yeah. even to work with. Like you're just stuck figuring it out. Dr. Crusher, is that right? Yeah. Is like, yeah. Uh, is like, yeah, it's a it's a disease that makes you remember uh, the most exciting moments of the past couple of years. You might say the highlights, you might call them. <laughs> It's also like, I can understand with a comedy, it's like, oh, here's a funny scene that we did, and you laugh at it again. What, in Next Generation, what are you going to watch? Like, remember this part of a story that was kind of cool? (laughs) It kind of relies on the context of the rest of the episode. Yeah. Let's look at one final show that I I would really, really like to look at, which is called Baywatch Nights. Oh, yes. Uh, Because we're talking, if we look at like- I remember watching this on TV when it happened, yeah. You saw it live? Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. It must have been great because it, uh, <laughs> like, speaking of, oh, something's going on behind the scenes, they made one season of it uh, uh, where it's just the Baywatch lifeguards are detectives at night. Yeah. Right? Like, they're just, it was kind of like, a, it was like a Miami stuff. Vice knockoff. And yeah, yeah. so I, they're being a, you know, being a, a, like, an adolescent male, I tuned in because Baywatch was in the title. I thought we were going to see some more slow motion stuff. Uh, but yeah, it wasn't that. It was all, it was <laughs> cop stuff. It was, which is so funny. And I think it's a, Bummer that that movie was so bad because I do think you can play around this idea, which they do try to do in the movie version of of Baywatch. It's like these guys weren't police officers. They were just lifeguards. So then somehow in this – Right. At night, Mitch was also a detective or something or he was like a (laughs) freelance private eye or something like that. But like, yeah, it was so – Yeah, he was like doing full-on detective work after a day of like swimming. Yeah. So the first season was already ridiculous because it's like – 
you want to have every character remind him, hey, dude, you know you're not a cop, right? Like you, do, <laughs> you can go home now. You already did, eight, yeah. You already did a lifeguard shift. You're done for the day. Yeah, private investigators <laughs> for a detective agency above a nightclub. Yeah. <laughs> now in my spare time, I do a way harder job. Yeah. <laughs> like, I like to kick back and unwind by like solving murders. They do one season of this with plots like Mitch falls for a cat burglar. Or they investigate a company's hostile takeover. You know, great. Yeah. And then after the ratings come in, they're like, this first season was not enough of a hit. And then at the same time, the X-Files happens just in culture. <laughs> it's, and so season two, the second and final season, is a complete left turn into paranormal yeah. threats. <laughs> and so now you have lifeguards who are not detectives, who are also not paranormal investigators dealing with all kinds of problems. The first three episodes in a row are about various kinds of sea monsters. That <laughs> <laughs> it's David Asselhoff and it's another like guy. burning through Melville. Like, what else can we use? Uh, uh, throw me that Peter Benchley novel. Let's <laughs> and they ha- they have the dynamic of you know Yasmin Bleeth is indulges in the conspiracy theories, but Pamela Anderson is uh, you know very rational. <laughs> yeah, <and> yeah. Like, <laughs> she's the Mulder. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or no, sorry, she's, she's the skull. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know X-Files. Uh, it's It was so insane. I it, Yeah, so they went from like a Miami Vice ripoff to an X-Files ripoff. There was a very abrupt change in the opening credits from season one to season two as well. The season two opening credits, they include a lot of the monsters that you'll be seeing in that season. <laughs> uh, yeah, and there's a lot of like pentagrams. And it's just like, I just can't imagine that, you know, tried and true Bay- Baywatch proper fans uh, you know, knew what they were getting into when they would turn the show on. Some of, some of the episode summaries, Mitch and Ryan enter a cabin that takes them back in time. And uh, radioactive dust from a space shuttle is accidentally dropped onto a farmer's field. <laughs> that's, the, that's the premise of the episode. How, Get me the lifeguards. <laughs> I want to know how far inland that farm is. These guys are watching the bay. Where is that farm? It's a beach-adjacent farm. <laughs> All these detectives are like, this is, this is the, the jurisdiction of the lifeguards. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mitch is possessed. I didn't even know there was a beach around here. <laughs> this is my case, detective. <laughs> Very well. Suit yourself, Hasselhoff. <laughs> Calls him by his name. Yeah. <laughs> Mitch is possessed by a demon that needs a sacrifice to solidify <laughs> its base of power on Earth. <laughs> Damn, that's really dark. And then the, the finale of the whole show was when Ryan disappears in a haunted restaurant. Mitch enlists the aid of a psychic to find her. It's so funny that like Baywatch Nights ended and then Baywatch kept going. So if you watch the next Baywatch after Baywatch Nights is over, it's like Mitch just shows up to work as a lifeguard the next day. Like, well, guess there's no more ghosts in the bay. We watched them all. Folks, that is the episode for this week. My thanks to Dan Hopper and Chase Mitchell for being amenable to that deep dive into Baywatch Nights, my favorite show, other than all the other ones. Also, for being incredibly funny people who also have encyclopedic TV knowledge that's rare, and I really appreciate their time. I also thank you if you spend some time exploring our food notes, where you will find tons of fantastic material from Crack.com. Along with Dan's stuff, our footnotes include the work of J.M. McNabb, Robin Warder, Stefan Rogett, Chris Rio, Cesare Jan Struzowitz, and also readers like you. There is, of course, a full rundown of Baywatch Nights in there as well. All the different episodes, all the sea monsters, mummies, and time travel. There's a lot going on. And any links we could find for actual footage of the pilots and episodes 
is also there. Because there's a weird thing with TV in America. A lot of times when a pilot doesn't sell, the material just kind of gets left in a closet somewhere. It never airs on TV. And in the modern day, that means it makes it onto YouTube. And so it's very fun. You can go watch it on the internet and laugh at it or whatever. Like in the UK, they usually package those pilots into some kind of nice one-off TV special and still get some, some money out of it, you know? In America, we do the American thing and waste stuff. We love waste. And you get to see that wasted material on YouTube because on the Cracked Podcast, we waste nothing. And as far as this episode of that podcast goes, our theme music is Chicago Falcon by the Budos Band. Our episode was engineered by Ryan Connor and edited by Chris Souza. If you love this episode, that's great. If you hated it, let me know about it on social media. That's right, social media, where I highly, highly recommend both Dan and Chase's Twitter accounts. Phenomenal jokes on there. Dan is at Dan Hop with two letter P's. And Chase is at Chase Mitt. That is M-I-T, Mitt. My own humble Twitter account is at Alex Schmitty. I'm also on the wider internet at my website, alexschmitty.com. It's got my show dates and my newsletter and more. And I'm happy to say we will be back next week with more Cracked Podcast. So how about that? Talk to you then. This has been an Earwolf production, executive produced by Scott Ackerman, Chris Bannon, and Colin Anderson. For more information and content, visit Earwolf.com. Earwolf.